Welcome to Speaking the Truth in Agape Love Podcast. We are hosts, Chad Mitchell and David Finch. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We're glad you're here. I'm Chad Mitchell. I'm David Finch. We're glad to be back uh, for another study with you tonight. We're going to be talking about Moses versus Christ. And so we're going to be making some comparisons there. And we got a good study for you tonight. I'm looking forward to it myself. Um, but first, uh, if you're a couple things to take care of, like we always do, come and worship with us. You know, we'd love to have if you, you live uh, anywhere close um, to Blackfoot, Idaho, we'd love to have you. Um, we have worship service at 10 a.m. Or sorry, class at 10 a.m. Worship services at 11 on Sundays at 370 North Schilling. Here in Blackfoot, we're on the way to Yellowstone, so we'd love to, if you're you're sneaking in a trip right at the last minute of summer, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, and then also uh, Wednesday evening at 7.30, we have a Bible class, so we'd love to have you. So come and worship with us. Reach out to us uh, with any Bible questions you have. Um, we, we'd love to um, sit down and talk with you. We can do Zoom meetings, phone calls. Letters, emails, <laughs> the email's in the link of this uh, podcast. So feel free to reach out with us if you have any questions about what we study or really anything. Uh, we'd love to to study with you. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, thanks for everyone who's listening. Uh, we got a few on there. Uh, we, we can see some of the folks throughout the country and even in, in Germany. <laughs> There's yeah. some consistent ones from there, and we thank you for listening to us, and we hope you enjoy um, the content and the study, studying God's Word. Um, so any, anything else? No, you, you did it. All right, so <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and jump into our study then. All right. Looks like we're going to, are we going to read from Hebrews 10.1? Yeah, that's first off? the first place. Okay. So get ready. <laughs> so Hebrews 10.1, but go ahead, Dave. Look, why don't you give us the story here? So like it is, uh, like Chad mentioned, it's Moses versus... Hang on, your your mic's not on. There you go. There we go. Hey, that's better. <clears throat> hey, you can hear me now. All right. So it's, my lesson was entitled Moses versus Christ, but it's not to pit one against the other. It's not to, to look at them as, as separate, but rather under the law of Moses, you see this foreshadowing of Christ. And so that's really what we're going to be focusing on. And then that's why... <clears throat> man, sorry. That's why we're starting in Hebrews 10.1. Chad, if you want to go ahead and read that. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> sorry, I'm usually ready, but here we go. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Okay, so notice at the beginning of this, it talks about for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. Christ is the good thing to come, clearly. and But what we see is uh, through the law of Moses, we see these certain foreshadowing. So not prophecies. They're a little bit different than prophecies. They're foreshadowing. So it's it's a shadow of of Christ. And so it everything throughout the Old Testament ties back to Christ. So that's how we're going to be looking at it because 
when you look at the the foreshadowings, you also see the perfection in God and in His plan. Seeing how in God's plan, His His plan has always been to send His Son, even before He created everything. This was the plan. So, under the under the law of Moses, there was these sacrificing and. There's a couple things about these sacrifices that we're going to be talking about. But the first one is, let's turn over to Exodus 23, verse 19. Exodus 23, 19. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and read this. 23, 19 of Exodus. It says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So the the first fruits of the land. Notice how you had to give the first. It was the first was always known to be the best. The the, yeah. the ones to mostly help you throughout the year. You know, the ones that were most likely to survive, the ones that were gonna mm-hmm. thrive. The best of the best. The best of the best. That was what you were to give to the Lord. Because by doing this, you're you're also showing your faith that God is going to bless you with more. But then as you turn over to 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, notice what God has done for us through Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man, and notice this capital M here, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. So notice God sent his son, Jesus, who is the first fruits. He is the the best of the best. And he is the first to be resurrected to never die again. That is the first fruits that Christ is. And because of Jesus Christ, those who die in Christ will be resurrected to never die again as well. But notice it's only if you give yourself to the Lord. Only if you are in Christ. Yeah, there's actions that you have to take. That's right. It's not just going to get given to you. Yeah. You have to work for it. Yeah, you have to be a faithful servant to him. Very good point. So you're not to put yourself first. You have to put Christ first. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's we see these teachings of Christ throughout the Gospels. Uh, one in particular is Matthew 19. 29 through 30. Chad, do you want to read that? Yeah. As Christ is speaking, notice what this means for us. So okay. go ahead. Starting in verse 29, it says, And everyone who has left um, houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the, the last first. So notice the context and what he's talking about. So you have to be willing 
to sacrifice your your house, your family, your brothers. And when you talk to anyone, Chad, they're all going to tell you family is the most important thing to them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's most important for for most people, almost mm-hmm. all people. But then even your wife, your children, you know, and Chad, you're a lot like me. We'll do we'll die for our family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you have to be willing to sacrifice them for the sake of Christ. I'm reminded sometimes people will, will hang up in their house or, or wear a shirt that says, um, God first, family second, self third, you know. That's right. You've seen those. Yeah. And and that's really the order of it. I mean, we it have is. to make sure that we're we're doing what God wants first. Yep. Uh, family second and yourself last, you know. Yeah, and and but most importantly, Christ comes first. Yeah, He is deserving of the first, mm-hmm. your first fruit. There you go. It's the first again. Now the the reason why we're bringing this out, you know, as most people do, just about anything for family. Satan is going to use your family against you. He's going to. Oh yeah, you know he, he's that, coming. That's a huge. He's coming in, at you. Yeah, it's a huge influencer. The that's family. Right. Um, they, you know, they can influence you better than probably anyone else. Yeah, you know, and you know, and Chad, you and I have heard of the same, mm-hmm. brethren and, and preachers alike. Mm-hmm. Well, what will happen is they believe a certain way on a certain subject. They believe the truth, but then all of a sudden, their kids or their loved ones. Yeah is now going against that. So then they go back to that subject and have to re-study that subject and Mm -hmm. then come to a different conclusion. And, oh, look, now my children or my my loved one is fine. That is not putting Christ first. That... What you have done is you put your family first before Christ, Mm -hmm. before the Word of God. So we must put Christ first... We must put him first and ourselves last. And then another aspect of these sacrifices that I want to look at under the law of Moses. Turn over with me to Leviticus 1, 3 through 4. I'll go ahead and read this one. That's Leviticus 1, if you're listening in and you're, you're following along with us. 3 and 4 of Leviticus 1, it says, If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meetings before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. So notice the perfection in the animal. So not only is it to be the first fruits, but it is also to be one without blemish, without spot. So it, the animal has to be as perfect as it can be. You know, like if if it's born and it has any defects or anything like that, well then even if it's the first fruits, that's not good enough. Yeah, it and, has to be the best. And and one thing about it too is it was the whole sacrifice okay you couldn't cut off the back straps okay yeah save those for the barbecue later <laughs> and then offer the bull it was the whole thing it was all or That's nothing right. so it was all or nothing and, and and similar to Christ Christ hung on the cross all That's all a very good point for nothing See I didn't even have that in my lesson you should have <laughs> we should have talked before my lesson well, but it's true like Christ yeah. gave all 
Yeah. Okay. He didn't save anything for himself. He didn't save anything for anyone That's else. Right. He gave all similar to what they had to do here. Yeah. And similar to what we have to and do. We had to be willing to give all. Hey, I'm sure it was tempting. These were the, the best oh, animals as can be, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm a meat guy. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine your favorite steak, you know, or whatever, sacrificing that. Yeah. You know? How are your pigs doing, by the way? They're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fatten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's another subject. <laughs> yeah. Chad typically shares his, his meat with us, so yeah. that's why oh, yeah, I was absolutely. talking about is, yeah. you know, it, there's something about a pig that, that doesn't have any um, pesticides or, you know, any oh absolutely any of that stuff. So, yeah. you know, Chad Chad raises them naturally, and, yeah. and it's the best it's the really best good. meat you can get. It's really good. <laughs> but anyway, other... But it's Back it's like the, it's like taking something really good because that's what yeah. they did. They had the best of the best, and that is tough to give up. Yeah, that's why he asked for it. But that's right. But that's like giving giving your your pigs or the, yeah. the best meat, you know. Yeah, and whatever whatever your whatever it is. And 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 boy, what a similarity when you think about that. That's what God did. He gave oh, up his yeah. son. Okay. His only begotten son. son. I mean, think about that. Yeah. See if you think about giving your oldest child, let's just say, or only child, only only child, and sacrificing them, you know, and Adam, or not Adam, uh, Abraham. Yeah. Great example. That's a whole other topic, but it does relate because he was going to go up and sacrifice his only son. I was going to actually use Adam. Mm-hmm. But or Abraham. Sorry, I messed you up. No, but that because that is a very good example as well. Mm-hmm. But that was actually before the law of Moses was established. Yeah. So I was like, well, I can't really use that because <laughs> that's not under the law of Moses. That's true. That's true. But that's exactly what Abraham. But in did. the sense that he was willing to sacrifice his only son. That yeah. that's an example that 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 because that's basically what God did. And that's but Abraham is a really good example of. That's what God expects of us. Yeah. Whatever he is asking us to do, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how many of us would have tried to make the excuse, well, God, this is my only child. You know, this is this is the one that's going to, you know, that's going to be the seed. Yeah. You know, this is going to be the one. Why would you do make me do well, this, God? Or, you know, and the, and he the, never did. Just to kind of drive home the point of how valuable these animals were that they sacrificed. Uh, if it's a bull, you could breed him. Yeah. Okay. You know, because you could you could use them to breed and um, create more And great. it was, it was the, the male. Yeah. And so there's, yeah. there's a lot of value in that. Because that, that, if it was the best of the future best. Future livestock, It's too. like your future of the herd. You yeah. know, you want him. You want to um, have him cover your your cows so that uh, you can have more of That's that right. kind of breed and stuff. You know, so so it was quite a sacrifice for those folks back then. Um, you it was know, a really big sacrifice. Big sacrifice because because it could have been their best bull, their their best breeder too. You know, and I I oftentimes think of this, and this is kind of a side point too. But how did they continue to have animals <laughs> with all of these sacrifices? Because they had. They just daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, monthly sacrifices, and then yearly sacrifices. Like yep. so many sacrifices, but yet they still had animals. You know, well, that was because God provided for them. Yeah. You know, and that's just a, a really good example of how God still took care of them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because a lot of people would think, well, I would run out, you know, and their animals were their money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when, when we give to the Lord mm-hmm. or trying to help someone else, you know, we can try to make those same excuses. Well, I'm not going to have enough. The Lord's going to provide, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's showing where their faith lied in the Lord. But this animal had to be spotless. It had to be, you know, the the best of the best, mm-hmm. but without any blemishes. But there is, notice how, uh, another thing I want to bring out, the one bringing the burnt offering had to put his hand on the animal, on the head of the animal. It was like this, this certain recognition that had to go along. With it, they had to recognize that because of their sin, this animal has to die. Mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't sin, then this animal would would be okay. But then also, when that person laid their hand on the animal, it was this transference of sin from this man onto the animal. So then the animal became that became the sin as they sacrificed it. So it's 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 like the animal became the sin. Mm-hmm. And then as we, we look and we see from Romans 6.23, we actually bring this out quite a bit, sin equals death, right? And that's something that they had to recognize. This is something that we still have to recognize. Sin equals death. For the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And, and then another thing to bring out, that, that transference that I was talking about, just like Christ. That that is also just like Christ. When you look at Second Corinthians five twenty one, for He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And then we also see in Galatians one four and five. I'm not trying to skip skip around too much, but Galatians one four and five also. Who gave himself for our sin, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is a willing sacrifice. And keeping in mind, Christ knew that this sacrifice was coming for him. You know, I was watching, uh, it's called The Chosen. It's a it's a series out there, but anyway, it, it, you know it's following Christ and and his his chosen is kind of looking at it through their eyes, but following Christ around. But there's this scene that uh, he was walking into town and they were hanging people on the cross, mm-hmm. and and I never thought of it, but that that actually could have happened. Not saying it did because the Bible doesn't say it, but that could have happened because that was in that time that was their custom to hang hang them on the cross. You know these to punish them, these criminals. They would hang them on the cross right outside the city. Mm-hmm. So as you would walk into the city, everyone walking by would see it, and it was I can see it being a very good scare tactic. Yeah, I'm not going to come into this town and break the law because that's what's going to happen to me, right? Mm-hmm. And and that was the whole reason why they hung him right outside the city, on a on a hilltop or something like that, so everyone can see it. 
Well, it's very well possible that Christ could have been walking into the city and seeing that, and he could have been like, yeah, that's going to be me. Yeah. And I know that's going to be me. Well, yeah, he knew he knew what was going to happen to he him, and he knew what he had to do. And yet he... That's the part for me that I still... It's hard to understand is he knew it, and he still willingly did it. That is... That is a love beyond well, my and, capability. And he also um, prayed that God would t- pa- let it be passed from him. Yeah, you know, that's right. The thing is, the, but it, then nevertheless, not your, will, not my will, but your. Yeah, be but done. your will. And and what's yeah. interesting is he still asked for that. Yet he knew it couldn't happen that way. Yeah, because he knew about all the prophecies that had been made. Yeah, you know, in the but past. I, I love that because that shows the human side of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, he was going to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there thinking, well, no, the Holy Spirit made sure he didn't feel it. No. That prayer proved that he was going to feel it. Mm-hmm. And he knew he, he knew the pain that was going to come with it. Mm-hmm. And he felt every bit of it as a human. Yeah. And he willingly did that. Well, and, and he was the final sacrifice for the old law, for the sins. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, I, I think of it as like a cap on the bottle, you know? Yeah. And all that is in the past now. And he was, he died for them and us. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and something that's uh, hard to fathom was as it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the one who knew no sin. So he was the spotless one without blemish and he became sin. He was the best of the best. <laughs> he was the best of the best. Mm-hmm. He was that he was that perfect sacrifice uh, just like the the um the bull without blemish yeah the the bull that was you know so valuable the that they had to sacrifice for their sins but it wasn't it wasn't a human sacrifice it wasn't um it it, it wasn't as perfect as Christ was yeah uh and i'm looking for it but in I'm hoping it's going to be here. And watch, it's not. It's going to be in John. Turn over to John. <clears throat> and I'm still looking for it. Hopefully it's there. But John... Uh, you know what? It's not here either. So... But where Christ was on the cross and he said, Elohim... Or Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that meant, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Now, Christ knew that when he bore the sins on the cross, he knew what that meant. He knows what it says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, that God cannot look upon our sins and our iniquities separate us from God. So when Christ became sin on that cross, that is the point where the Father could not look upon him. So that song that, that goes, God died alone for you and me, He that was the first time ever that he was truly alone. He knew that was going to happen, and he did it for us. Yeah. And that's something that is so, so hard to kind of understand. And I don't think we would have understood if 
If Christ didn't point that out. Um, Mark fifteen thirty four. I knew it was in Mark, and I even looked in Mark, but I must have passed by it. Thank you. So Mark 15. I knew it was in one of the Gospels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 34. But when Christ was sitting there, some people think that he he didn't recognize that God would have to turn his back to him when he became sin. I don't believe that for one second. Mm-hmm. Because... God or Christ was with the Father before creation. He knew everything. He he knows when he becomes sin. He knew what that meant. But as he is the perfect teacher, he is pointing out to us that he truly died alone. Mm-hmm. And so his sacrifice when he became sin, he really became sin. And because he became sin for us, the Father turned his back to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think we would have made that connection had Christ not pointed this out for us. Yeah. So even even as he's hanging on the cross, he is still teaching us. He is still... He, he is teaching. Mm-hmm. He wasn't thinking about himself. Mm-hmm. It was always about us. Always. And so that's the kind of sacrifice that was made for us. But the... Just like in the law of Moses, the transferring of sin from this person to the animal. When we look at the cross and we we guide ourselves to the cross, that transference of sin. Mm-hmm. Christ died, took on sin for us. Mm-hmm. And nothing but the blood of Christ could have cleansed us of our sin. And that's something else that Hebrews does a really good job at at digging into that his blood is so precious. The blood of bulls and goats, all of the the sacrificing in the Old Testament was never good enough to actually wash away sin. Only Christ's blood was pure enough to wash away sin. And it it not only was he perfect, but it was a willing sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something else that that we've seen in, uh, in Leviticus. He shall offer it at his own free will. But Christ willingly offered himself at the door of the tabernacle for the Lord. And so, again, this this beautiful foreshadowing of what Christ is. So, from the law of Moses to Christ, it this beautiful foreshadowing throughout the law of Moses. Even in their sacrificing of the animals and everything... Well, uh, I can't remember if you called this out or not, but, um, you know, you also have Christ's seed going through the seed of yes. of Christ, you know? Yeah. And that was promised. Moses, d- did Moses promise it or who promised it? It was God to Abraham. God to Abraham. So yes. Abraham's seed through Abraham's seed, you know, and um, I know that you said that Abraham was before him, right? It was. And so but but Moses just kind of lays out this how it this is all going to lead right to Christ. Yeah. So you had the lineage, you know, and we we're, we're there's parts where we we read in um I think it's judges you know all the people that begot, you know, and it's the lineage, you know. Yeah. Matthew 1. 
Yeah, to Christ. Yeah. You know, and and so it, God fulfilled that promise, you know, in Christ. And it, and Christ was the end of it, you know. That's right. Turn over to Galatians. Galatians 3. And I'm trying to find it because what you were talking about, starting in verse 16 of Galatians 3, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as, in, as of many, yeah. but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Yeah. And so, you know, people say, oh, well, he's, a, he's another Christ. This is another Christ. Or, or we're going to follow this person because, you know, he's... A real, you know, really good guy. You know, guess what? Christ was predicted clear back here. That's you know, right. clear back in the beginning, and and the seed followed the and the lynch. Now, how in the world do they keep track of that? They have no computers keeping track of it. You know. Yeah. But they had they had track of it, didn't they? And they knew exactly who who was the lineage, and 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 that's why it's so interesting when when Christ came, how rejected he was by the Jewish people. Yeah, because they should have known it was in their teaching ever since yep. the beginning. But that's why their lineage was so important. Like today, for us yeah. today, our lineage is not important. Right. That was that was something. Under the law of Moses, because the promised seed was through the the lineage of Abraham, and God's ch- God chose Abraham's seed as a uh, his people. Yeah. So and even it's not that the Israelites were all uh, righteous people. Yeah. But it was the fact that God promised Abraham through your seed, and so. Everyone through Isaac, God blessed them, and and God chose to be with them because of Abraham's faithfulness, and that's another thing to point to Christ as well. But <clears throat> because of Abraham's righteousness and his faithfulness to the Lord, mm-hmm. just like Christ, again, just like Christ, and then when you continue in Galatians three. Here's the beautiful thing. Okay, so as the seed of Abraham being Christ. Actually, starting in verse 24 of Galatians 3. It says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And you are Christ, and if you are Christ, look, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. Yeah. So even we are when we are baptized into Christ, we are now of the seed of Abraham. Mm-hmm. That same promise applies to us, mm-hmm. and it's all through Christ. Yeah. So it, it's, as we see, the seed, it was always Christ. Mm-hmm. So those who put on Christ 
are now of the promised seed. Yeah, and I think you could also kind of put something in perspective, too, is Christ died for our sins, okay? Yep. But he rose again three days later. He overcame that. That's right. The bull never came back alive, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) So how much greater was his sacrifice? He overcame it. The whole thing. Yeah. And ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. That's right. You know, and so how much greater and more miraculous and just amazing his sacrifice was for us. He overcame it like a boss, you know, you might say. Okay. Yeah. Like so much better than anyone, anything else that that they had. And what's beautiful about his resurrection is that was the ultimate proof that the Father mm-hmm. was with Christ. Yeah. Where everything that Christ was saying mm-hmm. now is an absolute proven fact that everything he was saying was exactly what the Father wanted. And no one, no one brought him back from the dead. It was him. The Father. The Father. That's right. There was there was no prophet needed. All nope. the other examples we have of that, someone helped them, prayed for them. Yep. You know, there was someone, but Christ did it. Yeah. Him and God. And even when, when Christ raised people from the dead, or even Elijah, either Elijah or Elisha, I get those two confused, Elijah even brought a girl back from the dead. Yeah. And so... A lot of times, that's why that verse where he, where Christ is the first fruit, he is the first to never die again. Mm. Because he's not the first to raise from the dead, but he's the first to raise from the dead to never die again. Yeah. And so that's, that's the beautiful aspect of it. And now, through Christ, when we are baptized into Christ, as it even talks about in Galatians 3.27, when we are baptized into Christ, we too can conquer death. That's the only way, through Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the the sacrifice, the willing sacrifice of Christ. That's what made it so pure and precious to us. Mm-hmm. And then as we see in Hebrews 10, 10 through 12. So to go back to Hebrews 10, and this whole section, it really, um, like I said, Hebrews does a very good job. Even chapters 7, 8, 9 does a really good job at pointing out how... Christ is so perfect. So if you ever have time, read Hebrews. That's weird. It's like God wrote it or something. It is almost, right? That's so weird. <laughs> Being sarcastic here, folks. <laughs> you know, it's simple, Dave. It's just you read it, you simple, you believe in it. it it's not difficult here, yeah. you know, to understand. But we can but the reason why we, we put our faith in it and we believe that it is God who, in fact, wrote it, and God, in fact, who who did everything, like it says, yeah. is because you can trace it back to that time. You know, the biblical facts that are mentioned, we have archaeological finds that always support what the Bible says. Yeah. Never contradicts it, but rather supports it. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that we can see that, yeah, this is written by God, and it doesn't contradict. But then... As I was saying, Hebrews 10, 10 through 12. Chad, do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. All right. It says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Um, Through what? I'm sorry. Through 12. Okay. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. 
But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So notice in verse 11 it says, Every priest stand ministering daily and offered repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can yeah. never take away sin. No. So the best that, essentially what the sacrifices did was push back the sins. Mm-hmm. Because, um, let me see. But anyway, it, it just pushed back the sin. So even, even living under the law of Moses... Here's something that we need to understand. Living under the law of Moses, they still had no hope of washing away their sins. Mm-hmm. They lived and died looking towards Christ, looking forward to the promise that the Savior will appear. Mm-hmm. Because only the blood of Christ was so pure to wash away those sins. So when Christ came and appeared and died for us, His blood not just washed our sins away today, but it actually washed all of their sins away, all those living under the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. All the way back to the beginning of time with Abraham, Noah, Mm -hmm. all of those. Mm -hmm. As we see in in 2 Corinthians 5.15, notice how it says here, it says, starting in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 5, says, and he died for all, that those who should li- should live no longer, sorry, those who should who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and arose again. So notice at the beginning it says Jesus died for all. So in order for this statement to be true, it has to be all of those under the law of Moses as well. He died for all. Then we also see in, in 1 Peter 1, 18-21, says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. And notice, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is the one I was looking for. But here we see that even before the foundations of the world, it was God's plan for his son to come and bring hope to all. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the beautiful part. You know, there's this song, and what's so funny is uh, I was thinking about this song, and I, I talked about this song in my lesson, and it just so happened that David, unbeknownst to me, led this song Sunday morning. So it was perfect fit, but there's a song that we oftentimes sing that's called Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from our iniquities. And that's essentially what the song is saying. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. Well, that is true for us today just as much as it was true for those under the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. That's something that's so important. So how blessed are we to have such a Savior? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. And, And there's so much behind Christ and His sacrifice and His His blood. You know, but it was 
always a blood sacrifice. It was always a blood sacrifice to wash away sins. But only Christ's blood could actually wash it away. The The blood of bulls and goats could only push the sin mm-hmm. back. That's yeah. why they had to make the continual sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a foreshadowing of the perfect, and that is to Christ. So is there anything else? Because we're getting ready to change the subject No, here. go ahead. Okay. So another thing under the law of Moses that we see is the the war and the fighting that that we see throughout the old testament and but something you may notice is they were always guided by god yeah so even throughout the throughout the law of moses they were guided by god they had god telling them who to fight who not to fight and if they didn't seek god then they lost right yeah. Uh, Chad, can you read Second Chronicles 20, 15 through 17? I'm glad you asked. I sure can. <laughs> uh, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Joseph, Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismissed or dis- dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the um, ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So can you imagine how beautiful this would be to go out to battle against them? But notice he says, stay still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you don't have fight. to do anything. Just stand there. Yeah, just stand there. Look pretty. But but this is how the Lord... Now, this, this didn't always happen. A lot of times they went out to war, but the, the Lord was with them. The Lord guided them through the battle. If God told them to go into battle, they always won. They were always victorious. But they had to do what God commanded them. Well, it's funny because he even predicts what their enemy is going to do. Oh, yeah. God tells them, uh, they will surely come up from the ascent of Ziz. Yep. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. He tells them exactly where they're going to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, How beautiful is that? Yeah. So he's predicting the enemy, what they're going to do and where to be. It's almost like God has that 30,000-foot view, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it's it's incredible. But this, now understand, though, but the um, King Jehoshaphat was worried. I mean, the, their enemy was large, you know? Yeah. But God chose, as he always did, he chose the few to be victorious. Yeah. You know, and, and I also think of Gideon leading 300 against an innumerable army, mm-hmm. as it's put. You know, and there they didn't fight either. Mm-hmm. It was the Lord's battle because mm-hmm. the it's just that. It's the Lord's battle. They're fighting the Lord's battle. Mm-hmm. If they go out to fight the Lord's battle, the Lord is going to win. But they have to fight it the Lord's way. Yeah. And how many times did God use... Um, 
uh, what would you call it? Uh, infidel nations, you might say. <laughs> yeah. The enemy to punish his people. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, if they weren't in the good standings, the Lord's people, they were conquered. Yeah. By if, the enemy. And that's what we're actually going to go there. But that's actually what we see, too, is yeah. when they turned their back to God yeah. and did went outside of what God commanded, yeah. they lost that fight. That's right. And that's what we see in Joshua 7. Mm-hmm. Let's turn over there. Okay. I didn't mean to get ahead or nothing. <laughs> no, that's... I just, it, it it's goes like both you knew ways. where I was going. It, well, and, it is. And God uses the people, whether it's the enemy or, or his people. He yep. uses them to get his do his will. Yeah. So to kind of give the backstory of what's going on in Joshua, God hold his, told his people not to take anything from the other tribes that they were conquering. Right? He called them and he, or God said they are accursed things. And some of them took the accursed things anyway. Some of God's people took the accursed things, and they actually put it in with their stuff. And then as they went into battle against Ai, at the beginning of Joshua 7, they lost and was pushed back. And they lost about 36 men. Mm -hmm. And then you see Joshua going to the Lord and praying, you know, asking why did you allow this to happen? But then starting in verse 10, you begin to see the response of God. And it says, So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed things from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel." You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed things from among you. So these, another thing that uh, Joshua points out as he's praying to God right before we start this, Joshua is saying, you allowed this to happen, word's going to get out. And keep in mind, they have just come into the promised land, and they still have to take their enemies. They still have to take over the land. They have to fight for the land still, and they lost. So all the other tribes are going to hear about this, and they're going to attack us. That's what they're up against. And so that's why God says, "You're, you're uh, where does he say it? Um, you, you cannot stand before your enemies. And so he's like, you're doomed <laughs> to destruction. Yeah. You're doomed to destruction because you have transgressed my covenant. Mm-hmm. If God fights your battles, you got to do it his way. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you're no longer fighting his battle, you know, and you will lose. Mm-hmm. But that's what we see happen in Joshua because they, they did what God told them not to do. Mm-hmm. They turned their back to God, therefore God turned their back to them, mm-hmm. and they lost the battle. 
But notice how God points out to them, you know, he doesn't just say, well, that's fine, let's just let's just move on. No, they had to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. They had to get rid of that accursed thing from among them. That was the only way that they were going to be able for God to turn back to them. Yeah. It and that's something that we see throughout throughout the Old Testament. Even in Ezra 10, mm-hmm. God told them not to marry pagan wives. Well, these people had not only did they take on these pagan wives, but they had children with them. Yeah. They were in love with them, but then <clears throat> they recognized that they needed God to survive. God expected them to turn away from their wives, walk away from them. Yeah, that wasn't easy. And abandon them. Yeah. And again, you have to come and make yourself right with the Lord. God's not going to just take you the way you are. You have to change your life to fit his word. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see throughout the Old Testament as well. Again, just the the foreshadowing, right? And just like for us today, like I was saying, in Romans 12, 1, we are called to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And that is our reasonable service. God expects obedience, as he has always expected obedience. He expects mm-hmm. obedience. Then even through the law of Moses, we see the foreshadowings of fighting the Lord's battles. You know, it's allowing the Lord to take the lead. You know, just like when we read in, in Second Chronicles, can you imagine if they didn't stand still and they tried to actually go out to fight? They would have lost. Yeah. You have to allow God to fight the battle. Yeah. And uh, that's why a lot of times being wealthy is not good for us sometimes. Because then we we tend to uh, rely on our money rather than relying on the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, just like that's why I don't have a Bucati, you know. That's why I don't have, <laughs> have my Lamborghini and my yeah. billion dollars because... It wouldn't have been good for me. So there's no point in praying for it because I'm not going to get it. It's not the Lord's will for me because I would lose my way. Mm-hmm. You know, I would lose sight of the Lord. I wouldn't allow him to fight my battles for me because I would I would depend on myself and, and my money, my perishable things. And that's just kind of a, uh, <laughs> a rant there. But It's like uh, somebody... Uh, one of the it was a comedian. I was watching a video or something. I think it was um, Jeff Foxworthy. He says, uh, "If you want to see what happens when you give a redneck money, just go to um, Graceland. Elvis, Elvis, Elvis came from nothing, and what he spent his money on was just ridiculous. You know, he <laughs> he carpeted the ceiling. You know, and he's talking about what happens when you give money to a redneck. You know, <laughs> but but it's true." You, you see these people that have tons of money and they almost present themselves as a god. Like yeah. nothing, nothing can touch them, right? Right. Elvis died at what, like 43, 45? Yeah, pretty young. Yeah. I know that. For what? Like he was no different than the rest of us. Yeah. You know? Well, and he couldn't take his money with him either. No, no. And the <clears> people <throat> are still making money off of him today, but not Elvis. Yeah, not Elvis. Yeah, and so just... You know, that's just a simple example, you know, that 
that that we're all the same. We're all on the we're all on the same level. We all have the same problem, and that's sin. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and and the only way to get out of that sin is turn to God. Yeah. Yeah, like we were talking about, get baptized into Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to get off track no, there, but it just made me think I was. <laughs> yeah, but we we have to allow God to fight our battles. Yeah. You know, just like what when David went up against Goliath. Like, there's so much in that story that we can yeah. learn from. Yeah. But we see in 1 Samuel 17, verse 40, when he was getting ready to go up against Goliath, he had nothing but five smooth stones and his his pouch for the stones, but his sling. So his sling and his five smooth stones, that's all he had. He had no weapons. He had no armor going up against this behemoth of a man. Mm-hmm. That stood nine feet nine inches tall, thereabouts, and he was a champion of war. Goliath was a champion of war, <laughs> and so he. And doesn't he tell him he's going to take his head from him yeah. this day? And he's holding the he's holding the sling with a stone. How's he going to take his head? Can't you imagine how <clears throat> infuriated he was when he told him that? <laughs> yeah, like. Pff. Look at you, you're a little kid with a stone. He was even, a, Goliath was upset that they brought this little this yeah. little man before but him. how did David know he was going to take his head from him? The plan was to take Goliath's sword the whole time. Yeah. That's just the, that's how much faith David had in God. Yeah, and God helped him. Yeah. But notice what, what David says as he talks to Goliath. Because you, you talked about it. You gave it away. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> it's true, though. I like, it is. We've talked about this it. recently, so yeah. it's fresh on my mind. First Samuel 17, 45 through 47. So keeping in mind, he is standing before Goliath with five smooth stones and his yeah. Uh, sling. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. No weapons of war at all. But then David said to Goliath, starting in verse 45 of second, or 1 Samuel 17, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Yeah. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, mm-hmm. and he will give you into our hands. Mm-hmm. So the the faith that David had in God right there. Because even before this, God did not tell David to go up against Goliath. Mm-hmm. He just came to actually help his brothers out, give them some food, because his brothers are on the front lines, you know. Mm-hmm. And and he hears this Philistine talking this junk about him, you know. And he's like, he's defying God. You can't do that. You, know? <laughs> you can't he, do that. He's like, yeah, I'm willing to go up against him. But uh, another thing that it doesn't talk about here, but when, when David was talking to, to Saul, King Saul, he's telling Saul that he fought a lion and a bear, and the Lord delivered the lion and bear into his hands. And this David is still a youth. So while he is still a youth, he's already killed a lion, he's already killed a bear. Dude, I don't ever want to face a lion or bear. <laughs> like... 
ever in my life. Yeah. I don't care. I don't want to do it. He's done it even while in his youth. But but his faith in God, because he knows that the battle is the Lord's. He was planning on well, killing him with a rock. And, and, and that's the thing, like, and we don't know, because when we read it, it's real fast. But it, it, he didn't take no time. It didn't take no time when he defeated the Philistine just like that. Yeah. Everyone else's jaws were probably on the ground, like I like to say. You know, yeah. just like, are you kidding me? Like, what just happened? And you can you imagine his brothers seeing their, their young yeah. brother walk just out? Just run out there. And, no armor on. Yeah. <laughs> sling a rock. He falls to the ground and Dio stands over him and kills him with his own sword. Everyone you know, was astounded. You yeah. know they were. And And right after this, it talks about how David starts running towards him. Mm. Man, I would have loved to see that scene. Yeah. But, I mean, can you imagine the Israelites are like, man, you might as well just put him on a plate and put an apple in his mouth because he's going to eat you for breakfast, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what are they, you doing? they were totally, yeah, on both sides, both sides yeah. of, of the battle, they were astounded at what happened. Yeah. And, and what the Philistine was offering the people is he says, you know, have your best champion come out and fight me. If he beats me, then we'll all surrender. Yeah. But if I beat him, then you all surrender. Mm-hmm. That was what they were proposing. You know, that's what Goliath was proposing. And they sent out this little boy. Little boy, you know, this man in his youth with no armor on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just this a lot was riding on David's mm-hmm. shoulders. But notice how he says the battle is the Lord's. And the Lord doesn't win with sword, with spear, or with javelin. The Lord wins, you know, without that. And he proved that to him. But then as we see, there is a prophecy about what it's going to be like after Christ comes. As we see in Isaiah 2 verse 4. Now, this is a prophecy, mind you, and, and it says in verse 4 of Isaiah 2, he says, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So he is speaking about God's children are not going to learn war anymore. They're... And notice that how they beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Mm-hmm. So these are these are now weapons of a working man or tools of a working man, mm-hmm. not not tools of a fighting man. Uh, the battle is spiritual now. That's right. You know, and and you think about the comparison that he gives. Uh, you know, the sword is the Bible, his yep. word. You know, the shield. Um, shield of faith. Of faith, you know. Yep. So you think about those things, um, right, girth. And, and and how beautiful that is. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's still a war analogy, but it's what we're doing spiritually. You know, we're yeah. fighting to spread his word, protect ourselves from the devil, you know. And, and, and it's a spiritual warfare now. And, you know, um, a little off topic, but David and Catherine had a friend come in from south somewhere. I'm not actually sure where he's from. His name was JJ. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, Yeah. I, I've met was, him. He used to be an elder, but he was telling me how he was saying that he was talking about Ephesians 6. Tells us about the spiritual warfare that we're entangled mm-hmm. in. He says, you know, it, it's a lot like a soldier today. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, you know, I appreciate that approach because you got to prepare. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to just, like when, when you look at, at soldiers today, they have to go through boot camp. They have to go through this training and, and all of this stuff before mm-hmm. they're, they're able to go out and fight. We have to prepare ourselves spiritually and mentally for this fight. We can't just have a Bible in our hands and have no idea what the Bible says in this fight. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to study. We have to prepare ourselves because our fight is, is against the the spiritual hosts of wickedness. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 6, 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But notice the rulers of darkness in this world. Can you see in the dark, Chad? Yeah. No, no. I cannot. No, you can't. No. So we're fighting something that if we're not prepared, we can't even see the fight. We can't even see the enemy. Mm-hmm. we got to think about that for a moment. This fight that we're in is a blind fight to the naked eye Yeah. if you're unprepared. You cannot win a fight when you cannot even see the enemy. You know, if you think you can, then go fight a ninja. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you, you don't even see him coming, you know, no. as they say. No. And so, but that's why we have to prepare ourselves. We have to study because the mm-hmm. fight belongs to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we have to fight it his way. Mm-hmm. We're about, yeah, we're about done. Yeah, we're out of time, so unfortunately. So there, there's so much that we, we could say about it, but... Y'all, we could go on all night here. Oh, man. <laughs> Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. Okay. And it says, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an mm-hmm. angel of light. Mm-hmm. This is the enemy that we're fighting. Mm-hmm. He transforms himself. He comes in stealth mode. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come with a as a red man with no. red horns like and a tail. Like a thief tail. in the night. He's going to come like a thief in the night. He's, he's going to destroy you, and you're not even going to see him if you're not prepared. So prepare for this fight. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a spiritual fight. It's mm-hmm. no longer against flesh and blood. Yep. Yeah. I think of Peter. He didn't think he would deny Christ. That's right. And he did. Yeah. You know, and and when it is all over, he realized what he had done. He went and wept bitterly. Yeah. So it can happen quick. And that's why in Matthew nineteen twenty nine, when it says you got to be willing to forsake mm-hmm. your family, your wife, your children, because mm-hmm. Satan will use them against you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for uh, being with us tonight. Uh, certainly enjoyed the study. I hope you did too. Give us a like, share, subscribe, hit the little plus in the upper right-hand corner so you know when there's a new episode, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. See you later.